Good evening, everyone. Welcome back to The Front Porch. My name is Dennis Rogers, and once again, I'm joined by the one and only Michael Daniels. hey Yeah! How's it going, Mike? It's going well. We're, we're going... close to our normal schedule. It is. from last weekend. It's, it's uh, we're a little bit back to schedule. We had a big week, though, this this thing. We can, we can roll the show right into good times, because, you know, that's all about what's been going on the last week. Yep, yep. Let's do it. So... Good we had we, we had people that uh, coming in. We had Dennis come in, which happens occasionally. Mm-hmm. It's a Dennis sighting, but we had Fox come into town. Yeah, uh, frequent a visitor of the I, show. I called it. I called it Foxcon, and then yeah. and then made the joke that uh, if I didn't come into town so often, which is like about every other month or something, that we could call it DenCon, like GenCon. Uh, right. And so Fox said we should call it Fox DenCon because like a fox is den. Yeah, that actually worked. That worked. Yeah. So for so for you uh, listening to us here, we got uh, Dennis and Fox came into town. We played games. What so was it? Games. Wednesday night, Thursday to, to to Sunday. Sunday night. Yep. Through Sunday night, um, games, hanging out, did all the stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's nice that we have. Um, I, I am very privileged, and people like Dennis and Fox. I'm sure they'll they'll say is that recognize that. We have a good group of friends that we all feel fortunate to to have. Um, Trotsky, one of the guys that had started organizing most of it, and who we were kind of a core of us, had said, we are very privileged to have the group of friends that we do that can, there's yeah. like, what, 10 to 12 of us who will have the same kind of passions and different kinds of perspectives in life, but we all can get together and do, the, do all these things and spend so much time together. Yeah, um, I mean, I don't know... I don't know for sure that I would say privilege. That's a little bit of a loaded word these days, but fortunate for sure. Fortunate. Um, there you go. Fortunate. I mean, How's to that? the point where my my sister asked me uh, earlier today about Gen Con, and I said, well, the badge is this much, and our share of the house is about this much. I said, but if we have all the people we had last year, which I don't think anybody is not coming, and you know, it's like sometimes we have one or two people from year to year aren't coming, but we've got uh, at least... One and I think Aaron said he's going to come up and and just hang out, not even go just to the con, uh, which is fine with me, because um, he's you know he's fun to fun to hang around. He's not super into oh, yeah. games, but um, I'm like, you know, we've got a duplex and it's full up. Yeah, because we can do but, that. Yeah, it's, it's well the 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 thing with like this is that because again I'm saying how fortunate I am here. Sure, we we, we do have. Tuesday night games that we play. We have uh, Thursday night salads, Thursday night beers, where we go after work and have a beer together. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that it, not only do we have good friends, which a lot of people are fortunate to have, we are fortunate that we do still actually hang out with each other as adults from the broad spectrum. I think the youngest, youngest of us is well. This last one, Andrew was the youngest, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, all, all the way to to Chris and and Pat. Chris, I think, is in his fifties. So that we still regularly hang out. So when you and Fox get to come into town, we still get to do things like Thursday and have salad. And now we've got more people at salad and um, then have beers and more people at beers. So it was just kind of like how it normally is, but better. You know what I mean? <laughs> and then yeah. every day. For sure. Know, For sure. Every day. What um, Did you get the opportunity to play any new games? 
did I? I didn't play the the Twilight Imperium game that they played for. Yeah, no, 10 nor hours. nor did I. Nor did I. Right. They they played Twilight Imperium for. They it was supposed to be. I was going to be on that. Did you know that? I was. I did originally. Yeah. Um. But it Trotsky was, almost they, gave up his his seat for me when Zahn took your seat, and he was like, he was like, "Oh, are you not playing?" And I was like, "I I think you guys are full." And he was like, "Are you sad about that?" basically giving me the yeah. opportunity that if i wanted to play he would bow out and i'm like you know i think i'm think i'm good yeah tr- i think i'm good with not sitting down to a 10-hour board game it, yeah. it, it messes with my uh uh ability to an enjoy to an to enjoy a game if i'm not if i'm not winning oh yeah for sure the the he he texted me said hey are you in on this and i said oh yeah i thought it was going to start like in an hour or so and he said well we're starting right now and i said oh well, i'm on my way <laughs> And he said, well, you can take over my spot when you get here. I was like, no, nah, dude, that's fine. I, I had, well, you and I both had stayed up until something like 6.30 in the morning. Oh, yeah. and Watching Deadpool we, or something. Watching Deadpool and just everything, doing all the stuff. So um, I was pretty wiped. And, and I won't, won't uh, hesitate to say that I was a little inebriated at that point. Sure. So, yeah, so we, were was, up, we were up past three, I think, one night. And then up till six the next night, which was crazy talk. <laughs> crazy and then talk. by the by the third night, I think that was when we watched Deadpool two, which I had not seen. I was struggling, and it was only like one. It was like twelve thirty yeah. or one o'clock, and I was starting to zone. You know, like and we had a blizzard. Yeah, that that was another uh, thing too. Is that we had a big yeah, blizzard come through. Got, almost got snowed in. Yeah, we had we had all the guys came knowing that it was going to snow and. They all just we're you know it hit one o'clock in the morning and we're like well we're all staying here it's not like we even thought twice about it um, and several several of us went home but yeah it was just another one of those we're we're doing this type thing and and it was great so yeah I, I did I get to play any new games no no Twilight Imperium um, I don't think I did play any new games uh, I played games that I like so when we have our Tuesday group we're usually playing some kind of as you know a uh, a campaign type game, something campaign that has or legacy game. Yep. And only occasionally do we get to play something that's different than that. And and when we do those, we play either Trotsky's game of the day that he seems to you know, <laughs> a new one, or or yeah. some or one of our classic we all love and need to play more. Um, so very rarely do we get to sneak in some of the games that let's say I like, but may not be the most best games in the world. Okay. You know what I mean? Uh, mm. Namely, well, you, we, uh, you should know. We played um, um, Tyrants of the Underdark. I really like that game. Oh, yeah. I, I forget. I forget that we played that because I was multitasking right. once it wasn't my turn. And I still well, You said that and you won. Right. Yeah. yeah. Jerk. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, I really like that game. It's. I don't think it would win any awards, but it's fun. It's different. It's not difficult. And anyone can kind of play it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's more heavier. It's but a- it's still... It's not it's a too different. Heavy. Yeah, it's a different twist on deck builders. The thing that I'm that I'm starting to realize is the case with deck builders, whether they're cooperative or competitive, and they're almost more so when they are competitive than when they're cooperative. Because at least when you're, they're cooperative, you're sort of invested in what the other person's doing. Yeah. There's very little interaction when it's not your turn, and yeah. it and if there is, of, it's too complicated. Yeah, and so I end up like. I take my turn and I could walk away and go like I did in that case. I went and got my laptop so I could print out character sheets for our Sunday uh, Star Trek adventures. But I was like, I don't need to know. I don't need to watch or pay attention to what you guys are doing on your turn because I know that 
you all know the game. You're not cheating or anything. And uh, and there's nothing for me to do until it's my turn again. Yeah, and that's true. it's kind of a bummer. Like in a mobile game, I like that. I liked back in the day when we played Carcassonne, and it was just you take your turn, you close the app, and then in a couple hours or a couple days, if you're playing with Trotsky. Um, it's your turn again, and you take your turn, and, and it's good. But in person, it's kind of like, you know, I could just be playing a game by myself almost. And I'm being a little harsh, but... No, I get that. I, I'm, I I'm sensitive agree. to it because I think of deck builders as a genre that I really, really enjoy, and so I'm I'm more sensitive to the shortcomings. I, I totally agree. And I, I, I've heard, they told me, almost everyone at that table for the Twilight Imperium table was I, there were so many things I didn't want to play to that game because of the pitfalls. And namely what you had said that if I'm losing after the first two hours and I've got eight hours left to go, it would be torture. Sure. Um, but also that, that it's so massive and so big and there's so many parts and so many things that I didn't want to go with a turn takes 45 minutes and I don't do anything. And that would just be terrible. But I've heard that, all of them say that no they were all involved on everything even though it's not your turn everything's happening so that's that's kind of cool i'm glad that you know that big massive game did better than what our game did where we played only for like <laughs> half an hour sure um so yeah that's a hard thing with games to do is to get people to be involved off turns without making it too complicated and to mm-hmm. bog everything down yeah you know i mean um when there's no played, there are no windows of opportunity for people to you know, get a snack or fresh drink or use the restroom or whatever. Right. You got to pause the hey, whole game. You played Keyforge for the first time, didn't you? I did. Yeah. Did you? No, you didn't. Well, you didn't with me. Yeah. Uh, did you? Did, what did you think? What's your What's your review? I don't know. I can't remember. Have we talked about this on the show? We've not talked about this because you guys played it and it was not even on my radar. Um, let's jump into that. But before we do, do you have anything else about last weekend? In particular, um, I found out that Buffaloes has better salads than I thought they had. Mm, mm. Yeah, that that's may not end bad. Being, it's sounding like that may be our new Thursday thing. So I'm sure that our that our listeners worldwide will appreciate that news. Coming to town, try try some 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 Buffaloes uh, food landmark. All right, um, we did we did Klingons and Dragons, which was uh, it actually was way successful. I expected it to go all awry. <laughs> um, be- because we were had a, like a small window to do it in, and I thought, oh man, and we're doing it remote, and you ha- you were setting up recording. I thought this is just not going to happen. I, w- I was fully prepared to to not get through it in time, and that might be a normal GMing thing where like I'm prepared for stuff to take you guys a long time to figure out or to get through, and it invariably stuff always goes faster than I think it will, unless it's well, late at night and people are just messing around. But like if you guys are engaged and trying. This stuff moves really fast. Well, we were. That's probably because we were there all together, and it was the middle you know, of the day. It is. It's the middle of the day. It's the middle of the day. And honest to goodness, I, I don't want to get it too much on this because it's more clear on dragons stuff. But sure. um, we there's only four players. There's it's a four player game, and any role playing game playing at the minimum number, it's pretty quick. It actually is. You're all engaged because there's just a few things happening that aren't doing with you. Um, yeah. Only at the rare times when you split a party are you disengaged in something. So having us all together for a four-player game is 
yeah, I, you're now hindsight. I'm not surprised that it actually we were all engaged in going through it. But <laughs> yeah, and I, was, a, I was surprised that we went so quickly. And we of course, like an I, I think we've talked about this on the show that the system, because it's Star Trek, is also designed to keep all the players engaged, even if you do have to split the party with a captain and away team kind of kind of situation. But yeah, we did that and we recorded it. It might eventually go on the feed if the audio was any good and. Uh, the the publication of the show is well behind us actually playing, so that look, one might, look that forward one to that in be, in like six months or something. If you that one might be PG thirteen, I can't think that we. I know we weren't drinking very much then. It's it's the end of a long weekend. Yeah, it was it was fairly tame relative to it. It, our it really was, and we only had a few. Uh, <laughs> uh, what is it? Uh, ac- rules of acquisition quoted that time. That's so. true. That's true. I had a few of them. It, it was, I'll tell you what, it was different playing with the guys in person. I know we played at Gen Con once, but just with just with us, mm-hmm. that was kind of mm-hmm. interesting. To see Pat and see Pat do his Ferengi stuff and sure. see Fox get annoyed at Captain Chris in person <laughs> was, a, st- was a different thing. I still spent most of my time staring at my computer, so I don't know how much uh, uh, personal interaction. Oh, actually, this is, it's weird to do this on the air, but I'm pretty sure I left my dice at your house. Oh. Well, I, is it the Star Trek dice? My Star Trek dice, yeah. Oh my goodness, those are those are. I'm gonna have to second air or air those guys out. I mean, me. I don't use them when we play. Normally, <laughs> we, play, we use roll twenty. So just set them aside for next time I come into town. But uh, on the on the small review of that that system here with this first time ever playing it in person, I am amazed at how little you actually do. Like with the character sheet and the stuff. I know. I mean, I knew that in oh, general. Yeah, I'm it's it. it's more narrative for sure. Yeah, like we, we we don't. I didn't. I bear. I'm glad that you printed out our sheets, or we would have been a little lost. But <laughs> when we had to roll dice, there was just like literally like two dice things that we had to even have. Yeah, it's very and, simple. I mean, we also did a scenario with no combat, so that helps. Hmm. The combat system is as well, not as, but it's relatively as complex. Like most of what we do is the parts of D and D where you're walking through town and meeting NPCs and picking up quests or whatever, like. You do you do some checks, the equivalent of perception and bluff checks and stuff, but you don't do that much. Then when you get in combat, there's a lot more dice right. role playing. And, and it being Star Trek, we don't have a whole lot of combat. But no, I will no. say that another review for that system: their dice are terrible. <laughs> I think their their design is is horrible. They've got sparkles on top of sparkles, and you're supposed to the, pay attention which sparkles are bigger. Yeah the the design the the conceptual game design of the dice where you have a sort of custom d20 you could play with normal d20s you just have to remember which numbers are effects and which are uh, ones and and zeros and twos but um and the and the 20s are just normal d20s with a custom one face but the right. the d6s have like stars on a star field and it is a little ambi- ambiguous <laughs> it's really terrible i got it i don't think i had any problems where i didn't know but it was like how can you not see that this is a bad idea? I mean, <laughs> come on. It's like a, a gray on a white on a or like a light gray on a dark gray background. It's like, okay, wh- why would you do this? Yeah. But anyway, yeah, so good that was good. That was good times. I had I had a lot of fun with that. Uh it's I, I think that I was I got to play every game. There was one of you two from in town was there, so that that that's good. We d- we did have that Aaron mix up in the middle of the night. I'm not going to disparage the guy for making a mistake at betray a Baldur's Gate, but oh right, right. 
Fox, Fox, that was great. I'm, I'm gonna, I am gonna disparage Fox in the area because he's our good buddy and we can do that. Um, <laughs> we, we, there was a mistake in this game we played, and one guy had to read book uh, part of the book that nobody else had to read, and he read it wrong, and just completely the second half of the game just totally destroyed the game, and we didn't know it until the end. And uh-huh. when it happened, Fox got so irritated. And just like he had the biggest eye rolls, I thought his forehead was going to break. He was ro- <laughs> rolling his eyes so heavy. Granted, this was two in the morning after he played ten hours of Twilight Imperium. Yeah, yeah. But he was like, "Oh my god, I'm just so done," and then walked away. <laughs> it was so good. Poor guy. Two in the morning. Yeah, I okay. I don't really remember that. But anyway, let's talk about <laughs> Keyforge. Okay, Keyforge. Uh, I don't. I don't think I put this as an actual item on our thing, but I late uh, late one night a couple weeks ago, I found the Shut Up and Sit Down review of this game and was fascinated by the concept. Like, tell everybody what Keyforge is and the concept. So, this is a fantasy flight game designed by uh, I want to say Richard Garfield. That's correct. And it's a procedurally generated card game. Uh, your sort of typical dueling card game like Hearthstone or Magic. Uh, oh, by the way, Richard Garfield created Magic for those who don't know. That's oh, important. okay. See, I don't. I never got into Magic, so I don't know any of those name drops. Um, okay, so that that's a little more procedurally generated is the most important thing. There. Procedural generated. So it's a a dueling card game with no deck building. Hey, Dennis, what does procedurally generated mean? <laughs> that means that the decks are built by a procedure, which is a specific type of computer program. Um, so you don't you don't pick these decks and you don't and like, e- customize them and an example of this cards. this is used fairly often in video games. If you think of a game like Diablo, at least Diablo 2 and Diablo 3, I don't know about the first one cuz I never played it. Uh, the maps in Diablo 3 and 2 are quote unquote random. Like, they'll look the same, but the shape of the map and where things are is is different every time you play. Um, it, it is procedurally generated. <clears throat> it's generated by the code, uh, quote-unquote, randomly, or according to a procedure. It's sort of like... Intelligently created that way. Intelligently created. There are games, there are other board games that have similar sort of functionality to them you can do a uh a gloomhaven scenario that is generated by a deck of cards and so you say you draw you know certain monsters you draw certain tiles you put them together and you've got a gloomhaven scenario yeah so in this game uh the decks are generated by a program and packaged as complete decks with the name of the deck on every card. Unlike every other card game you've ever seen, there's no deck building ever. Yeah. You, you have what you get and that's it. You, you get open, what you get and you don't throw a fit. That's you, what I, that's what I would say. <laughs> you open a deck and you play it and it's either good or terrible or somewhere So your between. deck composition is completely reliant on this algorithm that somebody said to put these cards together. Yeah. A computer-made thing. And so um, so then it comes down to, like, 
is your deck bad or are you bad at playing deck? Are you bad at playing your the cards that you got? And yes, Which is that's a whole lot of th- stuff to unpack. That's uh, that's two things unpack. You know that you have to figure out where you are in between those. But unlike a game like Magic or Hearthstone, um, you can go like if we're playing Magic and I lose, um, am I bad at playing the deck that I have? Was I bad at building that deck? Was I too poor to buy all the good cards to put in that deck? There, there are many more variables. Yeah. Um, and so, and so that fascinated me about this game. I'm like, uh, okay, I'm like, I gotta, I gotta buy a couple of decks and just try it. I'm like, I can't not try something so crazy, something so different. Yeah. Um, and so that's what I did. Uh, I did not get an opportunity to play those before Fox Den Con last weekend. And so I brought them with me and, um, Aaron and I played while they were playing, uh, Twilight Imperium. Right. Um, I actually spent about an hour playing Diablo three coincidentally on Trotsky's <laughs> switch while I was waiting for, cause we thought you were coming and we were going to start a four player game, you, me, Aaron and Andrew. And oh, right, yeah. so the two of them played Keyforge and I was playing Diablo three while that was happening. And then right. when they were done, Aaron and I played, um, right. we played a couple of decks that Trotsky had. Uh, one was one turned out to be the same one that Andrew played. And it was really interesting. We both had kind of slow decks. And so the game ran kind of long. I did end up winning, which helps my perception of the game, but <laughs> there there was a moment where I was fairly sure I was going to lose, but I could pinpoint the decision that put me behind. Um, without getting too much into the details, there are basically two types of cards you can play on the board, artifacts and creatures, and Aaron had only played artifacts for several rounds except for maybe one creature at a time and i had a couple artifacts that were really good at taking out individual creatures and so i discarded from my hand um a bunch of cards well like two or three that were good at wiping a lot of creatures so i'm like he's not playing creatures i'm going to discard these hopefully draw something better and then he played like three creatures i'm like oh shoot i i screwed it up um I did come back and end up winning, but, uh, yeah, that, um, I don't know. Yeah, so th- You've probably played has, it more this, than I have. What do you, what do you think about it? Well, this, this game has two, all those things are important to understand about this game. Mm-hmm. And when you, when you start to peel back, like, what, what do we talk about? We talk about Keyforge. We have to talk about, is the game itself good as it, as it, if it was a, if it was a standard trading card game where you can buy and bad booster packs and stuff. It is itself playing is that fun and good and then two do you do you does the whole procedurally generated i got a random deck that i had no hand in doing anything for and it and, and i have no control over really um is that fun is that is that okay or is it getting in the way in any way so those two things i think are important when when thinking of keyforge and my thoughts on keyforge and i said this last week was um i hate that i kind of like it um, and that's really well said, actually. I, I hate because I don't... It takes a lot of things that I like about 
card games out of the mix, and I really like them. Um, like, like, uh, like homework? Well, no, not like homework. Like spending a lot That's of money? That's very dis- disparaging. That's not Bo- what I booster mean. Booster packs? Like, like, yeah, no, not that. <laughs> See, you're doing terrible. Like, being able to improve my, my game. You can't improve yourself with that game. You, you just can't. You, you're like, okay, like you said, oh, you can go back and, and make a different choice. But, okay, that's because you only played that deck one time and you played Aaron's deck and you knew what he has now. Like, after then, you play Aaron a second time, there's really only one way you can play your deck, and that's because that's what it is. And you can't improve it. You can't change it. You can't put better cards in it that would make that strategy better. You've got a lot of cards in there that probably make no sense whatsoever. Granted, it's only a 30-card deck. But one faction just doesn't pan out well because it needs better cards. But because you have the rares or another fa- another faction, it's, he- it's the strategy for this deck is drawing cards or creatures, whatever. It's heavily weighted that way, and you can do nothing to change that. So other people will say, well, go b- spend $10 more and buy a different deck and then figure it all out. But, but it doesn't take more than one or two playthroughs to figure out a deck. I mean, it's not, they're not that complex and they can't be improved. So I just don't feel like buying into a whole bunch of decks that I have nothing to do over and then just kind of playing them for the one-off novelties. And that's what this game and its money-making scheme is all about. Buy a deck, spend $10, play it twice, then go buy another one. Well, and I mean, you would expect that from the guy who invented math. Yes. Yes. So, so they're, they're not this whole thing about like, oh, you don't have to buy tons of boosters. Yeah. But the game is really only that, you know, that fun after you pay 50, $60, you know, what I've heard is that in tournament play, there are basically two types of tournaments. Um, they'll do one where everybody is opening a new deck, which is uh, just horrible, so by know. the way. Um, or one where everybody brings their best deck, which, I I definitely see the appeal of the former more because the latter, of course, is completely tilted toward, you know, the guy who spent his entire paycheck on it for a couple months until he got the best, strongest deck. The, the randomly find. broken deck, right. It's pay to win. Yeah, and, and the, the other one is just dumb because I get in a tournament and did I, did I really win that? I mean, I... We did, Trotsky did that when we first got him, and he did a keyboard tournament, which I won, by the way. And I won. Why did I win? Because I had a extremely heavy creature deck that nobody had any random, car, you know, cards to beat with it. Mm. And this was just, like, it had two of the rare cards in it that needed to work for a creature deck. And all the creatures. It's, I played other creature decks in this thing. I've got another one that does creature stuff, mm-hmm. but not like this one because this had two of the OP cards. It's called the I mother see. thing. And like, I just got lucky. That's all there was to it. And I did, you know, play some skill, but it really wasn't, you know, I had to, you have to learn the decks to even know a yeah. little bit. And, and you're all new players. I guess the, the success, the potential success of this really comes down to, how balanced are the procedurally generated decks? And neither you nor I have any way of saying. No, that's true. You know, we, we don't have the experience to know. Obviously, uh, a a guy who has a good chance of figuring that out is Richard Garfield. But um, you know, then it, then it becomes a, uh, you know, can you win the tournament even if you get a bad draw? It's a little bit like um like poker. 
kind of thing. Or like, well, yeah, you drew bad cards, but you could still win with bad cards. It's not just luck. Otherwise, we'd just be flipping coins. Obviously, the there's a there are many differences between poker and a yeah, uh, and a dueling card. I was game. gonna say this this doesn't um, have enough strategy mod. You can't like change your skill halfway through because to make yourself better. I mean, the other guy has to fall down. I mean, it's just. I guess I just don't see that with this game. This game just does not have your deck does not have a variance to it. You can't be like, oh, this this strategy fails. I go for this one. No, you have to play an item heavy deck because that's what you have. Well, I mean, I mean, how much variance is there in poker? Can I, you know, in this game, could I put out one creature of one kind as a as a feint to and and get my opponent to to play a bunch of their counter cards and then not not when it's my turn that's again to play some different not stuff. really because there because is. the difference between i think poker does have a lot of variant choices to do when in every hand being different what you pull and what you draw because of the bidding no not just the bidding but like this time i can go for a flush or i can go for a straight or i go for a full house or i go for a three uh, with with keyforge you can go for a flush and a straight that's your deck if you don't get a flush and a straight you can't win because mm. that's what your deck's geared around making flushes and straights and if the guy has cards that are like anti-flush or anti-straight, yep, he's going to win. I mean, he's, it's going to yeah. be harder, and he just and the only reason it's going to be harder for you for you is if your random dr- card draws are better than his random card draws, which that's you know. Yeah, that's true in any card. That's game. true in any that's card. Part game. Of what so so yeah, that, about to, to wrap that, my thoughts on that is that the game itself is pretty fun. It, I actually really like playing it, and and I like the fact that we're all kind of novices, and maybe that's something that helps me with it. But my bigger picture brain of this thing wants to not like it because <laughs> I know if we were serious card players, serious in the fact that we'd spend like say sixty to hundred dollars on this, um, sure. that that um, we would, I couldn't do anything, and I would be extremely frustrated. You know, I just would be totally frustrated at it. Mm-hmm. And you know what? If we were even yeah, really I mean, serious it's... card players, we'd spend unlimited money. I'd be super uh, frustrated because I know that <laughs> so-and-so X would have way better cards than me. Why? Because he randomly bought his whole paycheck on it to buy the, the, the random cards. It's it's definitely not cheap, but I appreciate the the quick start nature of it. Like, it would probably be more enjoyable as an app where I could buy a whole deck for like a dollar instead of ten dollars. Um, but I love the idea of like, you buy a deck, you open it and you play it. You don't have to like, I mean, yes, you can look through the cards and see what you got, but you don't have to like start from a whole box of cards. Like the two big games we talked about last year, Lord of the Rings, LCG and, and legendary to go, well, legendary is a deck builder, so it's not quite as much, but look through this whole mountain of cards and go, okay, do I want this one or this one? And do I want two of those or do I want one of those? Like, sure, sure. That can be an enjoyable experience, but there are plenty of games that do that if you want. Right. What I would rather see is my favorite card games, hands down, are the living card games. And and like, um, so... Yeah, we've talked about Right. And the, the Marvel Versus system, they turned into a living card game system. And they're just a trading card game. They're just like Keyforge. They're just like Keyforge, except they give you every card and you can make your own decks. And you're right. The homework part is not fun of that. But what they should do, honest to God, is ha- have a little booklet of pre-made decks. Right? Sure. They, sh- they should come out. Sure. And the, and the counter to that is, is the same thing 
Um, you can do this in Hearthstone. You can do this in Lord of the Rings. And there are a couple of um, the Fantasy Flight games that are dueling games. They're not uh, co-op or single player like Lord of the Rings. Actually, most of them are not. Yeah. Lord of the Rings is, is single player and so is uh, the Arkham Horror card game. But the Game of Thrones game, the Star Wars game, and I think there's at least one more are all living card games that are um, competitive uh, from from fantasy. Right, fight. yeah. But, uh, well, so, yeah, it, it's good. And it's, hey, you know what? That would change the whole, my whole, it wouldn't change, but it would tip my <laughs> mentality to go for sure, like must buy type game, is it's supposed to be digital. The, G- yeah. Richard Garfield has mentioned, I think it was at Gen Con or another, another game convention, that, you know, these are how they do have a QR code on the back. So your your deck is supposed to be uniquely generated and tracked online. And they do have an app where you can go and click and see your deck. Um, so there's supposed to be an app where I can just buy a box, scan it, and then play it with you online. Mm-hmm. And if they do that and they make it asynchronous and do it right, oh, yeah. The, it's on and they'll actually make a ton of money, I'm sure, from our you know our friends. We will... Buy the game. You and I will buy. Hey, I got a new deck. You want to play some keyboards? Sure. You know what I mean? That's a thing I'll say, and I don't know because I only played one game. I don't know for sure that this is true. But unlike Magic or Hearthstone, I don't think that there are any actions you take on the other player's turn. No, there's not. There's uh, uh, there's definitely not. Which is good for a dueling game that's potentially going to go on mobile. Because there are plenty of real-time, just like Hearthstone, uh um, dueling games on mobile, I would much rather have an asynchronous experience with. Someone. Yeah, I, I, I'm sure there are reasons that are well beyond us knowing, but they should have waited to launch this with with an app. I mean, that it would sure. have been a huge download on the App Store. It would have, you know, got they could have they could have even potentially done uh, they should be able to do in app purchases, buy a new deck for ten dollars. Boom, it's right there. You know. It, I mean, if it's driven by Fantasy Flight, they definitely want to sell cards. So oh, yeah, it's true. Who knows? Yeah. So anyway, if they do that, I we'll come back and we'll be re-talking about how we played. We played, you know, KeyForge over and over again. Um, sure. So yeah, KeyForge. It was. <laughs> you know, the thing is, I'm not gonna. I don't think I'm gonna buy any more decks. I mean, I have three, and the starter, which you don't really need. Right. I don't. No. I don't need why I need to buy any more. You're right. Yeah, it doesn't it doesn't feel like it has a lot of legs if you don't have people who want to play it and it does feel like an expensive uh long-term long-term game unless you play the same decks all the time and you're like, "Let's see if I can beat you with this deck." Yeah, let's get let's get really um what's it called uh, psycholo- psychological here. If you are of the peop- the kind of people that don't want to do the quote unquote homework, don't want to put in the investment and the time, then you're not the kind of guy that cares to buy a lot of money into it. You just want to buy one thing for an affordable price, play it for your fun, and then get out. Oh, I don't know about that. You think so? Because you think that people the, want to like that, randomly buy that all mentality the, time? the the mentality of someone who doesn't want to spend the time do the homework but does want to spend money is the reason that mobile games with in app purchases succeed by selling gems. You're like, yeah, I could grind on this and and figure out, or you know, for a dollar, I can just shortcut it. Well, yeah, but that's that's a shortcut to improve things. Like like say, I I'll buy gems so that I can get that awesome card that I want. Oh, I I see what you're saying. Like, am I going to buy more decks and practice at it? I mean, 
No, people it's are people are gonna like. I've got four decks. I'll just play one of my four because that's all I really care about is picking up and play because that's what I bought this game for. Yeah. Is pick up and play. Yeah, it's it's not like oh man, this deck isn't great, and against Dennis's deck, I'm gonna go buy another deck that maybe is better. No, it not mm-hmm. at all. I mean, that's not. If they did that, they would go buy booster packs to buy, you know, more to improve your deck. Um, so anyway, I, that's that's an interesting thought is whether it goes through a fad phase and then just goes away really quickly or the app yeah. comes out and then it becomes yeah. a, a thing like that. I could see myself dropping 50 bucks on it easy if 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 that <laughs> if that happened. The the biggest appeal to me is that it just like you're either playing the game or you're not. There's no you know, I keep calling it homework, but there's no there's no research, there's no like spreadsheets or anything you have to do to be potentially competitive. Mm, yeah, I mean, sure, but Monopoly is potentially competitive too. And well, yeah, sure. It's I mean, every time. that's the that that mentality of like not having to do stuff outside of the game is what birthed the genre of deck builders. Yes, right. It's yes. Like, let me just do all that in the game. Of course, that comes along with all of its own negative yes. side effects where all of those games end up being the same where you've got these two currencies and they all start slow and kind of snowball in the same kind of way and it gets very uh, samey. Yes, I, to- I totally agree. But, yeah, you're right. You're right. Uh, deck- and Deck Builders is, well, was at least one of my top genres, but because of that sameness, it's dropped off considerably. Mystic Veil was a great... Yeah a great spin to help me out with that, but I'm mm. sure it's got, it's, which we did play this weekend, by the way. Um, you guys played, I wasn't in that. Yeah. Uh, I was I gonna say, I think Andrew, yeah, Andrew won that one, kind of ran the board with it. I don't remember what I was playing, but I was doing something else when you guys started. That. Yeah. We, 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 here we mentioned Fox and you coming up. We didn't even mention the fact Andrew also came up, which we don't see Andrew ever. Yeah. Yeah. He, he overdid it the first night and spent, Spent a lot of the weekend just sleeping in. That, so that sounds like Andrew. We didn't see him. Like that every much. time he's Andrews yeah. hang out with the guys, it's usually the first night and then wasted physically the rest of the time. <laughs> Poor guy. He's got to got to manage his. Got to figure out his his long term legs. I don't. I don't think he slept well. You know, he's sleeping in a, in a strange bed. Sure. It was just a little warm in the house before I closed the vent in our room. Sure, I had trouble sleeping too. Sure. But anyway, but good times. Let's jump over. Yeah, good times. Let's jump over and talk about our 2020 challenge, number three. This week's film was the Steven Spielberg, George Lucas classic, Raiders of the Lost Ark. Classic. Later later pre-titled Indiana Jones and the Raiders of the Lost Ark or something Wait. like that. It was originally just Raiders of the Lost Ark. Oh, was it? I didn't know that. Yeah, you you sent me that thing spent, the other night about the the little tidbit of interesting notes about this movie, and those were those were cool. I was reading a bunch of IMDb trivia while we were watching. Yeah, yeah, those those were pretty because cool. I've seen this movie several times. Right. So with these things, like I've been thinking about, like instead of just reviewing classic movies, which which we haven't been, we've been talking about the pros and cons and the differences between seeing things. I'd, I'd like to to lead into this discussion the same way we kind of have for the last couple is that. Did you notice anything, or was there anything that impacted you differently this time viewing this movie than, say, the other times now that you're looking at it with more experienced eyes? I don't know how long ago I last watched this, um, but I I would be inclined to to be kind of annoyed that we front-loaded this challenge with 
back-to-back Spielberg. Like, this came out the year before E.T. Um, but having said that, I think it's it's all the more, like, I don't know. It helped to have the context of seeing another Spielberg movie that he made the following year so recently. Yeah, that w- that was actually really good. And we just talked about that. So it was kind of cool to do double Spielberg on that one. Um, the stuff that sort of impacted me was, or impacted, or that impact is a strong word, but stuff that uh, that I noticed or thoughts that went through my head while watching it. Um, and it was especially funny reading the trivia because apparently um, Lucas would go on vacation when one of his movies came out to get away from the the hype and the crowds and uh spielberg was on vacation at the same time and they said uh he had always wanted to spielberg had always wanted to do a james bond movie and um lucas said he had a better idea and it's this this story that became raiders of the lost ark um because when like from the very start of the movie it felt very james bondy and what I mean by that is... Like 60s James every, Bondy? Yeah, like everything up to... I think even the even the modern ones have some of this formula. Um, and some, I think maybe the Mission Impossible movies borrow this structure as well. It's this idea of open the movie with, like, in media res, like in the middle of some kind of action, some kind of heist or... Or whatever. Uh, in this case, you're thrown right in to Indy in the jungle with some natives getting scared, looking at traps and dropping the thing with the sand and running through from the giant ball. Mm-hmm. Um, that all happens right in the middle. It's like if if like you could do this exact same thing, but when they're flying away in the plane, the like picture zooms down into a circle and the, the gunshot and the james bond theme starts playing like obviously it's completely different genre of like archaeologist versus spy but the storytelling structure is identical you start off with establishing the character and establishing who what you're dealing with here yeah you're like here's this guy he does this stuff now okay let's step back and this is what he does he set up he's given the quest yeah right just like he would go uh, james bond would go talk to m and get a mission um, and yeah, I didn't notice that, but you're so right, yeah. in, in all of that, this, like, it's funny because we talked about this last week and we talked about it a little bit, uh, last weekend, this idea of Spielberg telling some deeper story under the guise of some fantastic story. Yes. I didn't get that in this movie. Did you? No, there's no real, you know Why? This was a George Lucas written movie. Mm. This is not a Steven Spielberg well, written one. Th- so this is the Phantom Menace of Spielberg films. This is this is the Star Wars of Spielberg films. This is Star Wars. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. It's just a just a very straightforward, fun, classic adventure film. And you can see it's a little bit like listening to the Beatles where you can see even the things like there, there are many things that are direct, like homages or, or if you want to use the negative ripoffs of this, like 
um, the Uncharted series of video games, which is the sort of a a more true to form, um, like reliving or reimagining than the Tomb Raider series, sure. which were similar, but of course Nathan Drake is almost a direct like take off the hat and give him a little bit of a beard and he's Indiana Jones. Yeah, sure. Absolutely. Like shave his beard, put a hat on him. Right. Uh, He's Nathan Fillion as Indiana Jones, right? Yeah. Nathan Fillion as Indiana Jones. And he doesn't have a bullwhip, but he still has a grapple hook. Yeah. And it made me wonder, like, obviously the grapple hook is not new because uh, the, the Batman television show predates this movie by about 15 years. Sure. Um, but this idea of like throwing the whip and string and swinging across a, a ravine or something like the pitfall game on Atari, like this is the original, you know, sort of first best version of this. Yeah. The, the, uh, um, it, it was, as I was thinking the thing is with the whip and a lot of the other stuff in trappings of this movie, I kept thinking like, man, the eighties were crazy. I mean, eighties movies were crazy because maybe because I followed, I just watched ET before this, and right. and then I did started doing some kind of scanning the movies that were out around this time, and then the scanning the movies that were out in the seventies and sixties, and I just kept and I all I kept thinking was that gradually and slowly we got we get closer and closer to what might be considered realistic fantasy throughout. Throughout right. history, like when you James Bond is a perfect example. I thought about that in the '60s. Like James Bond was great, and a lot of the uh, great adventure movies of the '60s were just not. They were over the top. They didn't have anything that made a lot of sense, and just don't pay attention to a lot of the sense things. Yeah, they, they were they were still like westerns. Yeah, and and you know what? It, through the '80s, it was larger, kind of the same larger way. than life. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it wasn't the same. Wait, and then over time we start seeing more and more movies that add a little bit more realism to them, and a little bit more, and a little bit more, and and that's when we see things like Captain America: Civil War, and we're like, it seems so not Civil War, but like Winter Soldier, and we're like, it seems so realistic. When, mm-hmm. when I'm sure people, you know, 20 years from now will say, oh, it, it's very hokey because it's we have other superhero movies that are much more realistic, but sure. things like uh, with Indiana Jones, they had. Um, the bullwhip's one thing. Like, he carries this bullwhip. Like, when is the man ever going to use a bullwhip? He has a gun, by the way, and a bullwhip. <laughs> um, and then, and he uses it in the weirdest times that don't make a whole lot of sense. Um, and everything, everywhere he goes, everyone has, like, nice clean shirts on. And he goes to, like, Egypt and Cairo. Yeah. And they're all in brand new, like, costume-made costumes. They all, it all looks like costumes. It's 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 mm. clearly a set, which again back then was just the normal thing. Yeah, I guess. Right, it didn't feel like a city. It didn't feel like a stuff. It just felt like they're running through that, a set. That stuff. That stuff did not bother me. Uh, the stuff that bothered me was the foley work. Oddly enough, oh, that's Ben uh, Burt. It's the same guy that did that says the Star Wars stuff. They did. They said in the in the IMDb trivia, most of the body shots, like when somebody's punching somebody. Yeah. They took like a big stack of leather jackets and hit it with a bat. Yeah, uh, but every every time Indiana shoots off his his pistol, I'm like, what sound is that? That his gun is making it sounds like a cannon. Oh yeah, right. I I, I saw something the other day when they were showing um, some filming of scenes, and they would then they would show them before and after the sound effects added. And I, mm-hmm. I, gunshots are the greatest. Like when you'll see somebody shoot a rifle or something. 
um, when they're acting, they're just like uh, they just move their shoulder back, and it doesn't. There's never any kick. It's not there. Well, there's hardly any kick, real kick, on these fake guns, and then they just shoot blanks. So there's like a little pat, pat, pat. Right. That's about it. Right. But the right. the actor goes like, oh, look, it's got a thing. And when you listen to a sound, it's like kapow, kapow, mm-hmm. and you're like, that's just you know, that's so good that these actors have to rely on the fact that they're going to do these kind of. So things. my that that makes me think of my sort of uh, I don't know what what do you call it when something is ruined forever? Suspension of disbelief, <laughs> or no? maybe maybe my my moment for that is when i was i don't know 12 13 i loved watching night rider oh yeah. and it was it was reruns at that point but i thought that show was so cool right um him talking to his car and the car was invincible and all this stuff right and i'm watching it and they do a bunch of this stuff where like he drives in and out of a moving semi-truck right yeah right like right that's, yeah that's their base is this moving semi truck and the truck's moving and he's moving and he drives up into it but then he immediately stops yeah. you know inside the back of a truck without crashing <laughs> right, right and um and then he'll back out of it but every time he does that like he backs out and he like does a does a quick turn you know in reverse and one to go th- there's tons of tire screeching sound yeah yeah, right right just tons of it and i'm watching this and i don't know it's probably my dad or or somebody else around in the room when i was watching they're like they're like a car doesn't make anywhere near that much screeching sound when it's doing (laughs) stuff and i was like oh you know illusion shattered apparently everything else in that tv show was believable to to 13 year old me but once i knew that the tire screeches were uh were fake i was like everything's real everything's fake Illusion it's all fake well th- this one has this one had a lot of those I, I this one because of the time period like you barely had to tap a car and it explodes i mean it was in, in a massive ball of fire right, right. right. like when, when when uh is it marion that's her name get gets uh mm-hmm. kidnapped and then comes around a corner and i still by the way don't know i can't i think i missed missed the shot where the, she goes into a different truck or something but she she goes and, and oh blows right up. when when spoilers she's supposed to have died right and, which is uh, great because yeah. then Indy you see Indy drinking in the next one that's all he does he's like she she died and he's like I'm gonna go get drunk <laughs> 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 so that's something there's the thing that that I noticed more than anything um, and I'm sure that people are gonna roll their eyes out there listening to this when I say that uh, he is a, I don't know it was the 80s but he's such a womanizer that dude is sure is really really bad like and, and i've watched by the way i didn't just watch this first one i watched all the all three of them because there's only three of them and th- right. the uh i've heard rumors about a fourth but you know unconfirmed so the uh all the way through them he's just as bad like in in the third one he is constantly well, yeah, it's, hardcore it's, hitting on the blonde girl he's just it's thematic he had to he had to stick with the character but um. Hey, well, no, it's great. Also, it's just that they they wrote this guy that's not like this perfect. He's very much Han Solo. He's just you know charismatic and doesn't care. And if you think about it, he is while he does it for museums, he's still a grave robber, right? Right. He, right. He still goes and does these things to get these stuff and and steal from them. Uh, but yeah, he 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 does. He's very much a, a womanizer. And in this one, he 
I didn't realize when he walks into to Marion's the bar and she is pissed at him. Like mm-hmm. she she talks about like she was underage. She says like I was a child. And he's like, you, and he even says, you knew what you were getting yourself into. And she's like, what? And he's like, sure. he never apologizes or anything. He even says like, I did what I did and I had, and then I left. And right. like, this is, I mean, this it's, is not a good guy. You know, <laughs> it's, it's eighties, but it's, it's, it's 1981. It's just barely eighties. Right. Like it's still very seventies. Like his culture. Right. His, his male machismo is that he can just use women and leave them and doesn't care. And like, right. And, and that was somehow seen as like, this is a cool dude. And I think, like, Oh man, it, right, you put it out right. today. I'm like, this guy has needs to redeem himself pretty bad because he's, he's not that great. Um, so yeah, he, that was, that was, they, they did a lot of the special effects. While notable, don't hold up so well, right? I know that in that trivia thing, there was a, um, they said that uh, Steven, I'm, I'm going to butcher this, Soderbergh. Soderbergh, uh, yeah. Soderbergh. Um, he did a re, whatever, redubbing of this movie with none of the sound, like took out all of the sound and just put an electronic soundtrack over it. Okay. Um, to showcase the the framing and the editing and the cinematography to show like here's the Spielbergness of it oh, of yeah. this movie he definitely has a lot um, without without the John Williams without the cheesy foley work and without the ridiculous dialogue like just the framing of the story with no you know with no dialogue with just just visual effects, which uh, would would be interesting to see. I don't know if that's available. Anymore. Right, right. To, to see that, to see those. I mean, a lot of these movies would it completely would probably ruin the movie because you, all of a sudden you're yeah. seeing crazy. You're just seeing actors acting crazy. Um, I mean, I guarantee you, being on set watching, you know, an Avengers being made and stuff would be really sad. Like this movie after this movie after watching it, I don't know. I don't know how much dialogue you need, like. You see stuff on screen. I mean, there's got to be some, but probably not as much as you think. Yeah, right, for sure. The uh, well, he, he's he's a great hero. It's amazing to me that this movie had such troubles being made in the first place. Uh, that was that was something sure. that I, I got out of that that trivia thing that you had sent me is that how much how many people even lead actors were just totally passed on this thing. Everyone knows the Tom yeah. Selleck. I mean, but there's a lot more. Even even the finished product is a little bit B movie. Sure, so I, I, can I can see, see that. you know reading the script and going, yeah, this sounds this sounds goofy. But but Lucas had just done like two Star Warses, I think, Empire, or at least one of yeah. them, and like great ones. And Sp- and it's Spielberg with Jaws and stuff like that. You're like, well, E. T. was not out, but um, uh, Close Encounters was Close already Encounters, out. Close yeah. Encounters. So you I you would think that people got on board, but the studios didn't want to take a chance on it. And so, yeah, I, I was amazed that it didn't get, it almost didn't get. Yeah, made. I mean, basically the, the the star power of Spielberg and Lucas is the only thing that made this happen. Yeah, and did, did you see the budget? I, I want to say it's something like $16 million. It's something like that. Yeah. Like which I, is huge I, I know, in, the, in 81. Well, yes, but still, and I know inflation for 30 years is, is 30, 40 years, something like that, is, mm-hmm. is different. But still, $16 million, that's... That's like 
you know, the the budget movies today get paid sixteen million dollars. It's just crazy how, <laughs> right, how things right. have come along in, in the world these days. That, sure, sure. So I was like, yeah, they made a whole Indiana Jones for sixteen million. Now it would cost you two hundred fifty million dollars to make an Indiana Jones movie, and, and have no more special effects for it. Yeah, I, I I liked it. It's just it's still Spielberg Spielberg camp. It's Spielberg makes you feel good. Spielberg B movies I love. John Williams love it. You and I were having a discussion off air about whether um, uh, was the Indiana Jones theme was or Star Wars theme was more recognizable. Um, it, right, right into right. us guys and vote on that one because I'm <laughs> I'm of one mind and Dennis is of another. Um, well, if you're uh, if you're tired of of 80s cliches and and womanizing male leads <laughs> i have good news okay next week's pick is uh the romantic classic um, um nicholas sparks adaptation the notebook oh what are you serious we're watching the notebook featuring ryan gosling and rachel mcadams oh my goodness the notebook say. i'm gonna have to yeah, i'm gonna yeah. have to find somebody to watch that with that's okay. that's happening Oh man, you you got to get you got to you got to watch that with your mom or something. You can't watch that with Andrew. <laughs> I re- I read this book years ago. You did. You read the Notebook. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. I bet you that was actually. I, I I'm not putting. I shouldn't be putting this movie down because, or I'm just saying it because that's the thing to do. But it's actually a really good. <laughs> I remember it being a really good movie. I've seen it once. Um, and 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 you know, this people who know me know that I like those sappy romantic comedy things. Uh, romantic comedies so or it's not comedy but romance uh, yeah it's romance and the the movie takes a little bit of twist from the book at the end it's uh yeah it's a you know i I won't spoil it before we watch it well the the, i I, I will say that um um, this is a nice transition because one of the things about this this poster challenge 2020 challenge we're doing here is that Mm -hmm. um there's a lot of these movies they're going to take take me to have to get in it's going to challenge my way of i watch movies and by that i mean <laughs> i i watch a show let's say like schindler's list or more importantly um or more relevant uh um shawshank redemption love them some of my top movies of all time but i can only watch them when i want to be in the mood to watch them and sure. and this one is this is this is one of those ones like that it's like I can watch the notebook and it might be in my library back there somewhere, but I'm only going to watch it like once every five or six years um, sure. with somebody at the right type thing. But this, so this is a good, this is going to be a good transition for us during this challenge for me. Yeah. To, we, to we front loaded a, a lot of classics here, but after the notebook, we do have Schindler's list. Oh, and no then, kidding. Our super heavy. Okay. This is a good little transition. And then Halloween after that. What? Okay. This, Which we, this challenge is getting crazy. We'll, we'll have to talk about that. Maybe, maybe we swap that one put it down in Halloween time, but right. instead of watching it in February. Oh, but, right. Uh, that's, that's not a bad idea. That's a, that's a good, that's a good call. We, uh, I've got a couple art craft films that are coming up too. Maybe we can swap things in. We'll see. Mm. Uh, I'll have to check, check the groundhog day was there last week. So I don't, oh, I don't think, right. I don't think that's on our list, but yeah, so I've, I've been scratching them off. It's nice. They've got little icons. This, <laughs> this week was the, the, the silhouette of Indiana Jones with his whip. Um, right, right. Which is pretty, pretty cool. Um, it's 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 kind of nice and satisfying to scratch these things off when I'm finally done with them. Like, yeah, I did that. It's over. Yeah, for sure. Right. Hey, can we transition well, to something else I want to talk about with uh, watching stuff? Okay. Yeah, I think we got time for one more. All right, but I want to talk about this because I want to talk about the next. Uh, let's just cut this into 
three episodes and spend another 90 minutes talking about Star Trek Discovery. <laughs> it's just, I, so for anyone, I know you're listening to this right now and you're like, oh my God, they're going to talk about Star Trek. Yes. Uh, it's that time of year again. <laughs> it should have been that time of year a couple months ago. Um, and yes, we, yes. And we, and we spent way too much time last year talking about Star Trek. But I, I got to tell you, after watching this first episode, I, I don't know how every Thursday it's not going to be one of the thing I want to talk about right away. Um, Discovery has its ups and downs, sure, but I have this feeling just from reading all this, the blogs and the internet stuff that the Trekkies have have finally gotten over themselves with new things. It really feels that Star Trek mm. fans are no longer stuck in the next generation or original series camp. I think after the Abrams verse came out, they got something that was a bridge between new and old and sometimes good, sometimes bad that most Star Trek fans are like, you know what? It's not the same thing, but we're okay. It's, it's, it's just different thing and we're okay. Did, Did you watch that documentary on Netflix about next generation? Oh, I don't. No, but I don't think so. But it's I kind of like, want to watch it. It's now. like Trouble on the Bridge or something, talking about the the fan backlash when Next Generation started. Which, to be fair, season one of Next Generation is not great. Oh yeah, it's not that great. Right, Picard um, is nowhere near like what you think Picard is. Like, yeah, I and I, I'm I'm sure that I've talked about this before, but if you're fairly new to the show, maybe you haven't heard this. I did not see original series. When it was there, that's you know, I, neither of us were, right. are yeah. old enough for that. But um, I also was just young enough that I didn't really catch most of Next Generation. Okay, and I I watched some of it, but when I decided that I really liked it and I really got was going to get into it, I really really just wanted to see the original. And this was pre Netflix, so short of borrowing the VHSs from the library. Yeah. Uh, there there was only so much I could see and next generation was on, you know, like 3 or 4 in the afternoon every day every or day. something. Uh and so that's what I would watch, but I really really preferred the original series. I didn't watch Voyager or Deep Space 9 when they were on. And so for me when when that stuff comes back, um that's always gonna excite me the most you know when i watch i watched all of enterprise as it was airing and my favorite arc is when they're like in a time thing or parallel i forget how they did this but they put a original series era ship i don't think it was the enterprise it was like oh is this the, the triple di- thing um no that's, that's deep, space deep space right yeah um because enterprise is pre that right so yeah. it's a ship from the future Right. right, that's super powerful. Oh, that's and right. Yeah, a, yeah. They're doing a little bit of the same thing in Discovery, but um, or that first Abrams movie when they they're still on the planet and they cut to the wide shot and you see the ship, and it's just you know it gives me chills. It takes me back to being thir- fourteen, fifteen, whatever that was, and right. and just loving that so much. Um, you know, it's my version of transformers or whatever it's for you so this one had to really like this discovery episode had to really like twist your knobs then right in a a, a good (laughs) way like we're like woo. that's a weird expression but yes for sure i mean uh it had all the things and bridged some of the things and 
Like if you're, we're we're going to talk about Star Trek Discovery season two episode one. So if you don't want to be spoiled, skip ahead and maybe go sign up for CBS All Access or yeah. something. Right. Use somebody else's login. Um, yeah, when they show that ship and you get just a little bit of the music, um, a little brief- bit. They were like blasting that stuff on the last year season on. They were doing OG uh, music, and I was like, oh yeah, this is. Yeah, it's like here's the thing we're gonna do. We're gonna do a little bit of this, and it's Star Trek is a tricky thing because it's so huge, right? Like Star Wars is more universally loved. I know that everybody loves to compare and contrast these two. Um, Star Wars is more universally loved because the original source material is so simple and straightforward, and I don't mean that in a negative way like it's a it's your basic adventure story like yeah. almost anybody can get behind it well they're also star limited trek to a, three episodes as opposed and it's to, just uh, and it's just three movies right. for a long time um there has been so much star trek that it all means something different to to different people yeah uh, we've talked before about how for a while i was watching deep space nine and for some people deep space nine is their favorite because Instead of just flying around and meeting a goofy different alien every week, they stay in one place and they deal with complicated issues and some personal conflict and and cultural differences and um and and you compare you know the sort of cowboyish adventuring of Captain Kirk to the more um reserved respectful approach that that um, Patrick Stewart you know, Jean-Luc Picard takes in Next Generation. Like, it's over, whatever, like 50, 60 years has been so many different things. And so it means different things to different people. And so when a new property comes out, like Discovery, you're going to look at it and go, well, there's none of this one thing that I really liked in whichever of the four or five previous shows or the movies or the three different eras of movies well right? and, like in like 30 years we haven't had like a series right right and that's that's part of why we talk about it so much on this show because aside from the abrams films which were only a couple over the last decade i think the first was in 09 or maybe 08 yeah um enterprise finished what in like 04 03 it, it was a while that it was there and it was still like, like it was still like five or six seasons still. So, yeah, it it went like four or five seasons. Yeah, and and so yeah, so to compare anything new and go, well, it's not like my favorite of the three different eras of films, which are make up something like twelve or fifteen films, um, and five different series, all of which were very different. Yeah, um, this- is you know is is a challenging prospect, but. Anyway, we talked uh, last week or the week before about the short tracks and hype for this season, and it's, I don't know, I, I, you know, I gotta, my whole thing is, is, I loved the quote from uh, Captain Pike to, to Burnham, how does he say it, like, it's wise to... Oh, the, he gives you a shout-out, doesn't he? Expectation. He gives me a shout-out. Yeah. Um, uh, I 
typed it in in our in group <laughs> chat here. Some sometimes it's wise to keep our expectations low, Commander. That way, we're never disappointed. He <laughs> gave you and your moderated expectations, I, I, though. I, I I struggle to follow my own advice sometimes because, like, you know, you put you put the old ship, and it it doesn't look like the Abrams ship. It looks like the original series ship, like with better high res textures on it, right? Right. <laughs> like all actual the right amount of lights and windows at the right scale, uh, kind of stuff, and the the classic sort of the classic uniforms but it was the thing i was watching it and i was like do we have better fabric now than we had in the 60s <laughs> we do I think we, I think we must because those look really nice they're not freaking polyester and, and but they're still like gold and red and blue which yeah they make the wonderful like, comment of they're very like, colorful oh, new uniforms they're like they're nice they're very colorful <laughs> right which, which is it's just they kind of it's a little sad that they ditch him at the end like sure pike goes back to his other his other cost his new costume uh so well it, the show has to stay its own it right? does it does but it but the new ones weren't terrible i mean they were fine you're right they i i yeah. thought that the the commander uh, the commander the was it, she's the engineer girl and her red looked great uh, the science officer fit well. He almost fit into like a J- Abrams verse type. His outfit looked like so. It was a so good bridge. How did you how did you feel about the Spock subplot? Well, if that's going to be the the whole subplot for the whole season, it looks for like the whole right? season. Yeah, I mean that's they're they're lean and heavy into this Spock thing. Last year they did their own thing. This year they're just unabashedly going into to Trek lore. It looks like. They are, and they, yeah, they feel, it feels like they're leaning more into the more, uh, at least ensemble, if not episodic, form of storytelling. Where, like, um, Michael is still the main character, but we actually see more things going on happening to other characters. We have a lot more speaking roles from the cast this time. Yeah, like from even the, the other, small guy, the people, you know, right? The, all the bridge people yeah. talked. The different, the like, the android, the girl with the with the cyborg eye, whatever. Did she always you know. have that eye? I, I know she always had the thing on the side of her face, but did she always have that blue eye. She did. You just don't notice it because it's just like a quick thing. And they, I love they call it out when he's like, you know, I'm going into battle. I want to know who's sort of like we've come full, you know. Uh, maturation from the original series where you had the same characters on the bridge all the time. You still have that, but acknowledging the fact that if this were real, if this were a real ship operating all day, you know, 24 hours a day, there are different shifts, right? And the shifts don't always align. Like, yeah, you're probably going to have the main higher ranking people on the bridge when you're coming up to something exciting and during the same duty shifts but you still got night shifts and and all that kind of stuff so you don't necessarily especially if you're new a new captain um know who everybody is right the, the and i and i like the, i like their that little thing they did where they made him go across the bridge and stuff like that that was pretty good um yeah. there i liked that they were they seemed to have taken some advice or not feedback that's the word feedback from from people watching and they've made some changes and stuff um from season one from season one 
Um, my, you know, here I'm just going to say it. You know, what my favorite part of this episode was like hands hmm. down, there was no lieutenant love interest at all. Like he wasn't, <laughs> he was not in there. I loved it. I mean, they were like, yeah, we don't need to have him back. We're fine. I mean, I forgot he might, all about that. He he might, yeah, exactly. See, that's what made it great. Um, when I noticed it when they did the like this season on Discovery, I was like, oh, they don't even show him once. Yes, so which is pretty great. He might be in there as a little guest thing, but I love that it's not the point. They're doing a whole different do, thing here. Do you remember what happened to him? I don't, and I don't really care. Yeah, I don't. <laughs> I mean, he could be dead. I don't. He, know. he could be dead. Yeah, I don't even care. Uh, but it's not it's not focused on Klingons, which there's a couple Klingon shots they showed in the coming thing. There was a lot of Klingon stuff in season one, so that's fitting. Right. It's nice that we don't have to see new Klingons. Um, I, I, I will say I liked... Hey, can, hey, can I ask you this? I got a couple questions, by the way. As a, a big, I think you're a bigger Trek fan than I am. I'll say that. I So Probably. From, to, to know about some of the stuff that I may not know about. Was there always so many aliens on OG Star Trek... Like it feels like there's a lot of aliens on these ships. Yeah, there. I think they're leaning into that. Even the 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 three bridge officers from Enterprise um, are sort of taken aback at the random like fish dude on the turbo lift. Um, yeah, the original series. No, I think it was just Spock. Yeah, and he was the only one. That's sort of true. Through into the 90s era. Um, in the 90s era, there's more 80s, 90s. I'm, I'm repping all three of those shows into one. There are more. You get, you know, a Borg officer, a Denobian, a, uh, the Cass and Neelix on on Voyager. Right. Worf is, is a Klingon. Worf is a Klingon. But they still, they still imply that Starfleet is heavily skewed human. And and not you only know, human, the they're human... they're they're very humanoid isk like with like ridges on that's a that's about it, right? They they have Sure, sure. Well, I mean some of that is just the technology that we have available. I mean, we've talked about visual effects. Right. And uh, and now all the all the people are fish heads and sarus and you know, odd things. Yeah. They're like we we can do this kind of stuff now, so let's do that because it's you know it's not the '90s where the best we can do is glue crap onto people's heads. Yeah, and, and they do. So, so I, I guess I just noticed that, and and I know they were in. They didn't shy away from it. They were putting it in your face. Like if you, if I noticed at the beginning that like, man, there's a lot more aliens, and the aliens have a lot more talking parts, and it's really important. And then they have a scene in the elevator. They're like, oh yeah, by the way, we're going to point out that we have a lot of aliens <laughs> here, and it's a it's a natural thing. It's that's a little bit of the I don't know where this where this started, but. It, I think of it a little bit like the the um, George Lucas R two C three PO thing, where the the fish guy says something unintelligible, and she can understand him, but she responds in English. Yeah, right. or or like or like Han and Chewie. Yeah, right. It's, like he, it's he knows funny and, yeah. when when you can just you can tell just half of the half of the conversation. Although I will say, there's no um, there's no Norm Macdonald. Uh, in the Orville character that I've seen. I missed the Orville. i got to see when that's coming the, back. There's out. no, like, strictly non-humanoid, non, you know, no skeleton the blo- <laughs> kind, totally of, on weird kind of officers. Okay. Well, they, I will say that, speaking of aliens, that uh, I had, I will say and admit, I had a much bigger appreciation for Saru in this episode because I watched the short track. 
Sure. I mean, I really, really did. Like, yeah, he's the only that's, one now. That's intentional. Like that. It's like, it's like, oh, if you watched that episode when he says, what does he say? He's like, I have a sister, but there's a a barrier. He Like, he uses a specific word. It's like, there's there's something between us that can't be, that right. can't be breached or something. Right. It's like, if you don't know that, if you're Burnham, you know, you might think that it's a, you know, it's some emotional thing, some betrayal or or something like that. But of course, we know because we saw. He just can't episode. go back, right? Yeah, yeah. Or the the. So I had I had a lot of appreciation for him. This this did some really. They're really you know it's great. We we all know that that good shows have a a little bit of season or two to get their legs and to figure out who they are, and and it's really neat for me to think that Discovery was pretty likable. And it it's only going to get better because it feels like it's just getting better. For example, the writers now are feeling okay with leaning into some lightheartedness here and there, right? They they can feel yeah. that their actors can can give the lines and can do things, and and the director can can handle this stuff without you know it having to be over the top or um, or corny, and and it's okay, right? You get a little bit of that, and then. How do I say this about being a fanboy? Like <laughs> Tilly, that actress is amazing. Like she's so <laughs> perfect. And and I I can't even say that that's got to be a directed thing. That's just got to be that actress who kind of like decides that this character is who this is, and then they've just leaned into it I mean, to go for it. I mean, she's good, and I also like Stamets. Uh, like, he he's so much better. Like he's so much better after. He got went crazy. Like he's so much better now, right? He, well, I didn't like without, him the first half without so much of the crazy spore drive stuff. Yes, and like megalomania, but like his delivery, like he doesn't have a lot. Here's here's something I'll say, and this is this is a little bit. It's a little bit political, but also not. Uh, when they are doing their weird like space jump thing, which is very Abrams esque. Yeah. Um, they do this thing, it's this big expi- uh, inspiring moment where, where she's going to save them. And they're like, you know, we don't, we don't leave anybody behind on Discovery. Like, we're a family and we're, you know, we, could, we can save them. And then she goes to the bridge. She's like, we, we can catch him, right? Right, ladies? Yeah, that was good. Yeah. Right? It's like, you're doing the thing. And, then, and I realized that, like, half of the bridge officers are women. Yeah, yeah. Which is great. And then I went back and I was like, okay, well, the main character is female. You've also got the a, a big secondary character, um, Tilly, is female. The captain was female. Yep. Like, this show has managed to write very many, managed to write a lot of interesting, n- not, even, not even strong, because, like, we used to talk a lot about strong female characters, where like a a character like Tilly is is significant and important but still flawed but still interesting. Well, the the thing is is that, um, that you you don't notice that the the gender. I I didn't the right. reason you didn't and, notice that there was so many bridge people that were female cuz it didn't matter. Because they don't made point it out. A, it's not, you yeah. know, the, there's no strong romantic subplot. They're not there as a as a love interest for somebody or anything i mean if anything this show made a male character who existed only to be a love interest right for sure right um but but they did this in a way that was just natural it was it was just natural it was just 
I don't even want to say subtle. It's just like they wrote these characters and these are who these characters are. There was no like there was no Starbuck character who was, you know, smoking cigars and acting like a man. Yeah, Um, right. There were just these characters and they had different personalities and different. I mean, we haven't delved into any of these bridge officers, but they're all at least visually very different. One's like a android or something right um there's it, potential for storytelling there it, it but, makes you feel that um, that it makes you feel that like they auditioned these people for these parts and did not even care what gender they were right yeah i yeah. mean really they're just it like does not matter just like this is this character and they're gonna they're gonna do this thing i mean it helps a little bit and this is not one of my favorite things about the show but it helps that at least in season 1 the focus was almost entirely on Burnham and the stuff that she was doing mm-hmm. and so the other characters were just like props yeah right. um but we still had you know Giorgio could have been male or female and so could Lorca all, all of the, i mean really all of them could all, have been all all of them could have like it it doesn't it didn't matter in the slightest yeah um i mean the only really important one is burnham and that's only because of a you know like father daughter relationship stereotype that she has with sarek right that and and that kind of that does that's maybe slightly the only thing that gender might matter there because he already has a son and then it's a different kind of well yeah it leans into what is i assume going to be her relationship with spock her relationship with uh amanda amanda yeah which Hot which is <laughs> oh yeah right totally which is all important i mean not important it's not important sorry that's the wrong word it's all cool like it, it the, what they did in this yeah. one with spock and his family was well done like it 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 made me interested in and make me think of things that i never thought about with i mean you're a much bigger spock fan than i am but but it's i never thought about spock growing up and not to mention I, this? I don't love this this little kid Spock. He seems very petulant, oh, but sure. I assume I assume that we're supposed to feel that way. Oh yeah, I mean, think you about know? it. He's half human. He didn't come out like I think we all assume that Spock is one hundred percent Vulcan, except when he's around humans. <laughs> like the kid, the guy is is half human his whole yeah. life, not just yeah. not just a little bit. And not to mention, he also grew up with his mom is a human. She didn't just go right. full on Vulcan when she got there, right? So right, right. we didn't we don't think about these things and this this really brought it to my attention. Um actually the thing that I never felt was with Star Trek or with Vulcans I felt for the first time in this this episode. It's was Sarek and maybe it's the actor but Sarek for the first time the way that his lines when he was talking to Michael about he he says, like, you have a relationship. There's something going on there with Spock that you're not talking to me about. And he, he offers his his ear to talk to her, like kind of a sympathetic <laughs> ear. If you ever want to talk about it, daughter, I'm here to talk to you. Right. His, and his ear, you know, yeah, his ear. Haha. Um, <laughs> but Sorry. that that's something that, that when he when that actor delivered the lines, the way he delivered them was different than any of the other kind of Vulcans ever that I've really seen. And the fact that, like, you know what? These guys, Vulcans aren't devoid of emotion. They're completely the opposite of that. They actually right. have a lot of emotion and they live without it. So Sarek just is a, per- just like all Vulcans has emotion and has capability and understanding of emotion. He just deals with it in a logical way. And, um, yeah, I mean, that's right? one of the most, 
that's one of the most fascinating things that Roddenberry thought up. And it took a little while to get to this point. Like Spock halfway through uh, original series is different from Spock in the pilot. Um, but this idea of it's a little bit like a like a Zen Buddhist kind of thing. I don't mm-hmm. I don't know too much about those those kind of religions. But this this idea this this sort of a stereotype of stoicism where uh they're they are so unable to manage their emotions uh, which is where you know the the romulans sort of come from um that they've decided to as a as an entire culture adopt this practice of meditating and suppressing all of their emotions and just jumping down like all the way to cold rational logic and and not you know not accepting any of the any of the sense uh you know the the emotional aspects of being um for the sake of surviving as a as a people as a culture yeah and and this one was the first time that i mean almost all the portrayals come as spock is the way that the movies have been written or the shows have been written is Spock is a Vulcan that um, lets his hair down when he's around humans sometimes. And hmm. like it, he's always felt like 100% Vulcan to me. Like that, that human side. And, and not just the human side. I guess, I guess they've, I've never truly gotten the feeling of Vulcans having emotions in any of the series that I've watched. Um, there might be a few episodes I'm not seeing or missing or something, but I, I never got that. And here I did. I, I got Sarek. I got the impression that he cares about her. He wants, he understands her emotional, you know, needs and he wants to be there for her in a logical, good way. He is not devoid of emotion and he is not no, trying to right. say any, and he also is not like a vilifying emotion or that she's got emotion. He, you know, I'm sure he, in all the other things we've seen of him last season that he will not support emotion, but he also logically recognizes it and, and, you know, steps worth it. Actually I take that back. There was one episode in enterprise when Tucker and the Vulcan lady can't remember her name to Paul um, go to her home. They go to Vulcan and he's, they meet her mom and th- mm. that, that did a good job of showing that Vulcans have some emotions and stuff. But, um, but anyway, that I like that a lot. I like that with Asarek. We're going to see a lot of that with Spock. I'm hoping that we see Spock have a lot of emotions. And this kid, little kid scenes are showing me that that's, I think, what they're going to do. They're going to give him a lot more emotions than what any yeah, of the other set, Spocks did. It's setting, up the, it's setting up the story arc for the season. Yeah. Uh, so, like I said, I like Tilly. She was even more Tilly this, this whole episode. <laughs> Stamets, do you think they're going to they're gonna keep him? Do you think they're going to keep him around? It's. It feels like they're setting him up to stay. Kind of. I. I. It's clearly though the runaway person on this one is the new. I'm assuming doctor. Do you know who I'm talking about? The engineer lady they rescue. Yeah, she's yeah. amazing. Mm-hmm. Like that's um that's Tig. She's a she was a stand up comedian. Oh, I didn't I know that. Still. Well, she's great in this one. I, I didn't recognize her at all. She just comes up, and I'm like, oh, they found Bones. Like, this is who this is. <laughs> right? They And they put a better twist on Bones being an engineer that's, like, engineering people to stay alive. And, by the way, I, I hope you noticed she says almost almost the exact same line 
that I have for my character of Star Trek Klingons and Dragons. She says, he's, they ask her, wait, you're an engineer, not a doctor. And she says, well, uh, uh, was it the body is just a, a, a science project anyway or something like that. Just a machine. Just yeah. a machine. And that's what my character has on my thing. We're all just machines anyway or just biology. Uh, so, and I thought, yeah, yeah, exactly. She, she's got it. And then she keeps people alive by pumping their hearts with different stuff. And like, oh, that's, she, she doesn't, she doesn't mince words with, with Pike, you know, or anything right. at all. So like, yeah, that's definitely a, a bonus. And I hope she's around maybe the new, new doctor, which would be weird for an engineer to be doctor, but. Be, to be a doctor. I mean, new Christopher, the the actor playing Pike is really good. Obviously the the science officer who came with him was a throwaway character, but he also brought a red shirt with him who is, who uh, lived, <laughs> who lived. So she has some kind of potential. That was, I didn't even notice that until now. Yeah. I didn't even realize they, that. They, they intentionally like, put a red shirt out there on the mission. And I was like, Oh, red shirt. And, and they didn't. Kill and it. he called it out. He was like, he was like, get that red uniform into an EV suit. We're going on a, on a thing. And then she right. survives. And she <laughs> survives. Yeah. The, the, uh, here's something too that you've pointed out multiple times with the later on um, Star Trek series is, is that they once Roddenberry passed or once he was no longer in charge, they start adding in human conflict and the fact that humans aren't sure. perfect. Uh, Discovery <laughs> Discovery fully embraces that thing that every person is. And when I think of Next Generation, every person is perfect. Everyone is the most best at the best, and they're perfect yeah. in everything. Um, here you have people on the bridge and they're like she says ladies are we, we got this right and they look at each other like oh i have no idea i don't know if this is going to work right and <laughs> because they're they're kind of thrown off and tilly is tilly's a cadet is she still a cadet she's not a full-on perfect person no. i Lork- think she's lieutenant commander is she okay Lorca is was definitely a flawed character burnham is not sure. perfect in any way she is traitor half the time and makes bad mistakes so mm-hmm. this crew is is good and the actors so we had the science officer you talk about come on board he was and he was kind of an asshole right? right again you don't have just because you're part of the federation in these days doesn't mean that you have to be a perfectly square peg wesley crusher groomed into a officer person you yeah. can be a jerk you can be have bad days you can let your love interest get in the way of things that you do so that's cool i i really I liked the whole episode, and I even loved the this se- coming this season on Discovery. I thought, oh man, it's so looks so good. Yeah, big so, big hype. So good. Yeah, but it had a lot of hype going into it, and it's still sort of good. Oh, okay, so that's enough for me talking Star Trek tonight. But uh, re- real quick, <laughs> something something I was going to say earlier when you mentioned the uh, the original series music coming in. Um, I assume that you've seen the uh new spider-man trailer oh yeah uh, far from uh, home f- far from home that that makes no sense i don't understand that at all though i, I had a hard time watching it because he's dead right what, what? like he's dead yes uh, i think it's supposed to be set in between i was confused about that too and i think it was fairly late when we were talking about it fox brought it up i was like wait but they're the thing and then are they sp- spoiling it's spoiling and he looked at me like really are you not getting and i might have been tired or had one too many and and was not putting two and two together but that trailer with the music okay oh yeah they like, do the spider-man not, spider-man I'm, I'm not even a comic book guy but i was like 
I was like, oh man, it's the original music. That's awesome. That's from the '60s. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. They 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 actually in almost all the Spider-Man movies put out, they have some kind of a callback to it somewhere. That music. Yeah. In in the Tobey Maguire when he's walking on the subway and that guy's playing it on the guitar, which was pretty good. Uh, no, that we. And I, I, I know we didn't want to talk about it, but that Homecoming trailer or Far From Home trailer was pretty sweet. And and I assume you know who that uh, um, Green Lantern Thor guy is oh uh, the mysterio so, who, yeah it's, I'm, now I'm, now i'm not going to be able to pretend that he was the first spider-man because <laughs> th- those guys seem the same to me you know i i wonder if that's where they're going it looks very much like the guy that mysterio is going they're going to make him be from asgard that's because he does look asgardy doesn't he a little bit yeah with his suit yeah and I, and i and he's purely putting down some magic so I don't know what they're where they're going with this, but he looks like he's Asgardian. I'm like that's cool. That's nothing like the comic books at all, which is totally okay. Mm-hmm. I mean, Spider Man has some over the top, crazy, terrible, like bad guys, and the Vulture being one of them. The Vulture oh, is sp- terrible. Speaking of, let's go back to uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark. Um, we talked about. We talked about Lord of the Rings off the air, but uh, John Reese Davies was in that. Yeah, I, I was like, look at skinny, you know, whatever, uh, full, Gimli. full height, Gimli, full yeah. height, skinny Gimli. Like he's totally. Uh, also, did you spot uh, Doc Ock? Oh yeah, that's uh, Alfred Molina's very first role, like at the very beginning. Yeah, yeah. That, I, isn't that weird? I did not. My my little sister was like, "Is that the guy who played Doc Ock in one of the?" Spider-Man. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, I don't know, maybe. Yeah, it totally was. I, I, I didn't, I didn't know Alfred Molina and Molina until, till Spider-Man, and then mm. I watched Raiders. I'm sure a couple years later, and I was like, I did the same thing you just said. I was like, is that Doc Ock? And I went and looked it up. I was like, yep, <laughs> and, and saw that. And then your trivia there, night had that said that too. It, I guess the trivia said that uh, like his first day ever on a set was like they put spiders all over him. So that's welcome to acting, buddy. Yeah, yeah, put real spiders on it. Yeah. I don't know what else he's even done. I'm sure there's like a whole thing he's done with a lot, but probably uh, Doc Ock and Indiana Jones. It's and all. It's mm-hmm. all it needs to be. Now he needs to do a DC movie, and he'll be in all of them. <laughs> all right. Yeah, yeah, he'll be Michael Keaton. That's right. Michael Keaton was good though. So. Vulture, you, you mentioned. Right. All right, man. I think that's. I think that's good. We'll. We'll talk about these crappy mobile games next week. Oh, we got so much to talk about. We, we're skipping out on saving some lives this week with the mobile games. Now they're going to go. They're all going to die this week. It's going to be our fault. We'll just we'll just give you a really quick fine uh, uh, mobile game. Don't. Just, fine. They're all terrible. <laughs> that's right. Just don't. Done. Just turn save off yourself, your phone. Save don't. yourself some some headaches. Just uh, <laughs> go on Instagram and look at pictures of food and cats and cats. maybe some memes and then you're good and you'll have a better time and you won't waste any money <laughs> all right friend you've been listening to the front porch this is episode 74 four sweet or one one away from 75 which is not really that Quar- it's three quarters of the way to 100 yep that's true that is mathematically accurate. <laughs> uh thanks thanks as always to our friends at geek scholars movie news if you are interested in movies film headlines uh Oscar news that's coming up. You can check them out. Geek Scholars Movie News. A, spe- a special shout out to thank to Jill for letting Fox out of the house last week. For sure, for sure. Watching their son. Was, appreciate that. Uh, 
earlier in the show we mentioned our other show, Klingons and Dragons. It is a Star Trek role playing podcast using Modifius's Star Trek Adventures role playing system. It is crazy, chaotic. There are is filthy humor and ridiculous antics, mom jokes. It's the re- it's if the it's going to be the reason you, it's going to be the reason I can never run for politics. That that ex- show ex- exactly. If any of that sounds interesting to you, you can check it out. Klingonsdragons.com. If you have questions or comments about Star Trek Discovery, Raiders of the Lost Ark, or The Notebook, or really anything. The Notebook. You he said us. The Notebook. I want to, I want to point out <laughs> on our yeah, show. Well, that's that's next week's. <laughs> I know. We're going to talk, talk about the whole thing on our show. It's going to be great. Uh, you can email us directly, frontporchpod at gmail.com, or go to our website, frontporchpodcast.com. we got contact forms and all that stuff. Uh, if you enjoy the show, subscribe on Apple Podcasts, and while you're there, leave us a review. That'd be great. Thanks, as always, for joining us, and until next time, I'm Dennis. And I'm Michael. For the front porch. Night. See you next time. Night.